Welcome to the SSPX Podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English-speaking world. On this episode of Questions with Father, we'll be talking with Father Paul Robinson about music. Why is it that the Catholic Church discourages its faithful from listening to rock music? Why are certain types of music okay or not okay to listen to? We'll dive into that question, as well as the Sunday obligation. Is it okay to miss Mass while you're traveling? What about taking a job that may require you to miss Mass more often than not on Sundays? Should you take that job for the good of your family, or or is going to Mass every Sunday more important? We'll go into these questions in a lot more detail coming up. As always, if you have questions that you would like Father to answer on a future episode, please feel free to submit them at sspxpodcast.com or send it into our Facebook page, particularly if you have questions about the coming season of Advent. We'll be recording with Father here in the next week or so about the Advent season. If there's something that you've always wanted to know, go ahead and submit your questions online. And as always, the SSPX podcast is free and will be free to listen to but it does take a great amount of resources. We would be very appreciative if you were able to set up a monthly recurring donation. Just go to sspxpodcast.com. $20, $10, $5 a month would greatly help us with the resources that are needed to make this podcast possible. If you aren't able to donate, that's fine. Please feel free though to leave a rating or a review on the SSPX podcast, especially if you're listening on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It will help more people to see the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. With that said, let's turn to Father Robinson on the SSPX podcast. Well, we are back with questions with Father, joined, like usual, by Father Paul Robinson. Hello, Father. How are you? Hello, Andrew. It's it's good to be back on the uh, show. I guess we'll just hop right back into the questions, if that's all right with you, Father. Let's do it. All right. Well, one that we held over from last time that we uh, just didn't have time to get to on episode 21, but uh, this was saved... A listener asks about the Sunday obligation, about attending Mass on Sunday. Uh, at what point are outside or secular duties important enough, quote-unquote, he said, to miss the Sunday obligation? What about jury duty or work? If my work mandates that I work each Sunday, am I obliged to find another job or even quit without another job? And he follows up with, and I guess I'll do this with a follow-up question too, Father, but a priest once told me that traveling even for a family vacation was a good enough excuse to miss Mass. Is that correct? So, a, a few questions here about the Sunday obligation. When is it permissible to miss Mass? As with many of these questions of moral theology, there there is a, a certain uh, foundational principles that, that we have to follow. Of course, we all know that the Third Commandment obliges us to attend Mass on Sundays. This is the day of the Lord. And um, really, it, it is, in, in the big uh, picture of things, it's not a lot of time if you consider how much time we have in the whole week. Yet at the same time, you know, moral theologians, uh, they, they recognize that there, there do arise situations when we may not be able to assist at Mass. Um, and they distinguish between different types of, of obstacles that may be preventing us from getting to Mass. One would be a physical impossibility. And that's just when um, the state of your, of your health or of your body um, or, or, or just the state of your your ability to obtain transportation makes it impossible for you to get to mass. If you're if you're laid up in a in a hospital, and then obviously um, you're not going to be able to get into a car and, and travel to mass. Um, or if if your your car is broken down, you you just can't get to mass. That's a that's a physical impossibility. Um, you can't be physically present um, because you just can't get yourself there. Okay. The other type of impossibility is a moral impossibility. It's not the obstacles is on the part of 
of uh, transportation or, or your body or whatever. It's just there's certain circumstances that make it very difficult for you to get to mass. Um, and the, the primary example that I think would be that you're, you have a job and um, your employer expects you to be there for work. And if you don't show up for work on, on a Sunday, you may well get fired. Um, so in, in that, I think really what the questioner is, is asking is about that moral impossibility. What really qualifies for a moral impossibility to, to get the mass? You know, I, I think it's, it's a prudential question, and there's a, there's a certain balance to be observed. And the balance is between taking care of our, our body and taking care of, of our soul. So if the situation is such that you really won't be able to take care of your body. You know, you won't you won't survive. You won't be able to have enough money in order to to raise your family or what have you. Um, it's just impossible for you to get another job. Um, you you've got to keep this job, or, or else you won't have income coming in. Then then clearly that's a sufficiently grave reason to miss the mass on Sunday. At the same time, we, you know, we have to recognize that this is not a good thing for your soul and. And you should be looking for, for other possibilities. Um, one thing that, that I suggest to some people when, when they tell me that, um, you know, I wasn't able to make the Mass on Sunday, I say, well, is it possible for you to go to Mass during the week sometime? Do you have the availability of, of daily Mass? And perhaps you can make up for that, that Sunday Mass. It's not ideal, but it is some, one way of, of still nourishing your soul, um, even though you weren't able to get to the Mass on the Sunday. Now, it, it seems to me that it's situational where if someone is faced with this decision to make, they could, uh, you know, ask one of the priests about, you know, the specific needs. And I'm making a lot of assumptions here, Father, but I, I assume if it's a it's a, an occasional thing where boss calls you in and you got to work on a Sunday uh, and it's not a regular thing, that's that's not not that big of a deal. You should still try to you know make it up or, or you know, keep the day holy as best you can. But uh, Father, what would, what would you do if, if I came to you, for instance, and I... I don't know, I was embarking on a job as an airline pilot. Uh, and I was told that for the next five years, I got to pay my dues and I'm going to be flying every Sunday. Would you advise me to find another airline to work for or find another job? Uh, is that something that would be grave enough where, you know, you need to do what you can do to get to get to mass and not accept this job? Or would you say, you know, go ahead and do the job, but uh, fulfill your obligation in another way? Yeah, you know, I, I think that's that's a good example of, of one of these questions where it's it's not a, an either or but there's there's a certain trade-off if i understand your scenario correctly is perhaps the the person perhaps you already have a job um but you've got a a better offer this lucrative position with with an airline where you you'll be flying perhaps flying overseas i don't know um and you're saying to yourself well i could make more money i could support my family in, in, in a more lucrative way and this would enable me, for instance, to put my kids through college, you know, uh, right. something like that. Um, should I take this this uh, job opportunity because there's going to be so many benefits accruing to my family? And and in such a case, you know, it's it's a prudential decision. And um, I would tend to say that that look, you really need to to look firstly at the spiritual concerns of your family. I mean, if your your family is surviving on your current wage. And there is food on the table, um, and, and you're not not out on the street or anything like that. Um, it may be a little difficult, and it often is, unfortunately, difficult for our big families today to to make ends meet. Sure. Um, but but you are getting by. Um, I, I think you know if, if we consider that you're going to be away from home a lot, 
um, and you're not going to be able to get the mass on Sunday. You're going to be away from your wife and your children. There's a lot of dangers there. Um, I, I would say, well, you, you might very well consider this may not be spiritually advantageous, or the, the spiritual loss will not be con- compensated by the financial gain. Um, so it's it's just it is really one of those situations where you weigh the the trade off, the respective trade off, the financial gain versus the the spiritual loss. And I would tend to say in that case, it's a very difficult decision to make, obviously, but in that case, I would say probably, you know, he, he should consider um, passing up the job and, and just remaining uh, with what he has. Okay. And so when you say a prudential decision, Father, that, that basically translates to, you know, after, after careful thought and prayer and, you know, perhaps speaking with a pastor or, or maybe even without speaking to a pastor, if all the options are considered and, and you make the decision, then there's that, that's the correct course of action to take. Generally, that, that terminology, one thing that it can in, indicate is that this is not a black and white situation. Um, it, it, it's not a situation to where um, you're, you're directly going against the faith. There, there, has, there has to be a careful weighing of the, the different um, perspectives, different possibilities that are available. And in, in that case, um, I, I do think it is good to, to consult a priest and, and just to, to bounce the ideas off the priest. And the, and the priest wouldn't say, you know, um, this is what you have to do. But the priest would be able to have a discussion like what we're having right now and, and say, well, have you considered all of these things? Right. Um, it's just so good for, to get a, a more supernatural perspective on, on these, these questions. Um, have you really thought about what it's going to be like when you're going to be away from, from your wife and children? You're going to be working these long hours. You're not going to have ready access to, to the mass and the sacraments. Um, you know, can we reasonably expect that you're going to be able to be the, the husband and father that, that God wants of you um, in order to lead your, your family to heaven in that situation? Um, and then he's like, okay, well, yeah, I really need to reflect upon this a bit more. On the flip side, Father, would you say that it would be almost reckless uh, if someone were to say, you know, even with the most pious of motives, if someone were to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not able to make mass as often as I would like to. Um, so I'm just going to quit my job and move my family close to St. Isidore's in Denver so I can go to mass every Sunday uh, and do that without any options or any job opportunities and say, you know, the Lord will provide. Would that be a bit of presumption? I, obviously, it's an extreme situation or an extreme example, but wouldn't that be a bit of a presumption to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it just just to say, for instance, that well, this is the right thing before God, and, and how, how nice it would be to be next to a priory, so we're just going to get up and move without really um, looking in advance to see if it's, if it's viable. I mean, to be, to be honest, Andrew, one, one of the things um, that I've, I've been told since I've, I've come here to Colorado is that Colorado is becoming a little California, and the real estate <laughs> prices are just going through the roof. Right. Um, so the cost of living is, is really high here, so there's, there's a fair number of people who have wanted to move here, but when they start investigating the real estate prices, um, they're just saying, wow, this is just no way I'm going to be able to have the same standard of living in, in the Denver area um, that I have in, in other places where they're, where they're moving from. You know, um, So that, that's something that has to be investigated before you move to another place. Um, can we survive in that place? And I, I think you've got a lot of local economies in, in the states. So the, the cost of living varies very, very greatly from state to state. So it's something that has to be investigated. All right. That's, that's good advice, Father. Thank you. The, the second part of his question was about traveling, uh, a family vacation. Is that a good enough excuse to miss Mass? 
Well, you know, I, I think it is good. It's it's good for people to, to to try to plan their vacation in such a way that they're able to get to mass on Sundays. We have so many resources today, such as the the, the uh, international website that the mass locator website, where you can find uh, a mass of the society pretty much around the world. So it is good to do that, um, but at the same time, you know, you can envision situations when that's not going to be possible. For instance, if if a family has um, a log cabin in the north of Maine, and and that's just their vacation spot, um, and it's wonderful. They have a, they have a great time with their family and so on. Um, but the the closest society mass is is three hours away. Um, so in, in that case, there's no obligation for them to just say we're not going to to vacation there. Um, or we're just going to vacation there in in the middle of the week. Um, it's just that they had they still have to try to sanctify the Sunday and um, do spend at least an hour. I would say at least an hour on the Sunday um, doing spiritual works. You know, I think a lot of Jewish Catholics are familiar with that, especially the ones at the mission chapels where they only have mass twice a month or or once a month. Um, technically, the the rule is that you're not obliged to go to mass if you if you are required to travel an hour or more. Um, at the same time, I would I would definitely caution people with taking that that rule sort of by the letter, um, because we, we really have to be careful about the message that that we give that the parents give to the children um, on the efforts they make to get to mass. I mean, if if you know, really driving an hour is not a huge deal. And priests, priests do a lot of driving, and they know it's, it's not right. really a huge deal. Um, and if you don't make any sacrifices to make the mass, you're just taking a vacation. You're just out there in Maine for for a month, you know, and you're not making any effort to get the mass. The, the, the children just get the impression that oh, it's really not that important. Right. What one of my relatives always said. I, I think she was a couple hours away from from mass, or an hour and a half away from the closest. Uh, Latin Mass, and and she said, "Well, we we just made a little day trip out of it every single Sunday, and that was that was what we did every Sunday. And you know, we'd stop and yeah. have some McDonald's or something on the way, and or on the way back, and you know, make make it a make it a good experience. And that's that's your day. There's so many edifying stories of, of families who do that. You know, I I know a family in Australia. They're they're out in the outback, and they they travel six hours one way oh once my. a month to." To get the mass and they, they rent a hotel, you know, and um, so it's just, there's a lot of edifying stories like that out there of a family making big sacrifices. And as I say, this really has a big impact on, on the children. They, they see that, that mass really is very, very important for our lives. Absolutely. Well, moving on to our second question for the week, Father, this one was a very simple, uh, about eight words long. Uh, why are we not allowed to listen to certain types of music? And I'll just leave it there, and I guess we can start chatting. Yeah, th- this is um, this is a, f- a fascinating question and, and a very interesting topic um, about what we're allowed to listen and not listen, or why we're not allowed to listen to certain things. Um, and yeah, I, I, the, the general rule is is that we're not allowed to put ourselves in an occasion of sin. Um, and in this specific context, uh, an occasion of sin would would be just something that's that's really going to turn our our soul upside down. In, in the sense of uh, it's going to get our emotions moving um, at, at such a, a violent pace that it's going to be hard for us to to think rationally and and to make good choices. Um, if we if we put ourselves in any situation where our emotions, we know our emotions are just going to take over our soul, um, and we're not going to be able to reflect rationally, 
um, then we're, we're putting ourselves in a very dangerous spiritual state. So this can happen with respect to our eyes, obviously. It can re- happen with respect to our ears. So if with our eyes, you know, if you, if you watch a movie and you know it contains nudity in it, um, then that's going to violently excite the, your passions, the passions of, of lust in your soul. Um, and, and when, when the, that, that passion becomes excited, um, it's hard to think. Um, it's difficult to reflect. And, and the will is just going to be drawn to, to the commission of, of impure activity. Um, and as I say, this is, this is why we, we tell people you don't watch bad movies. Um, you're just going to be very strongly drawn to, to impure activity. And so the same thing goes with with listening, um, it's it's not always as powerful as as the sense of sight. I mean, sense of hearing is not as doesn't have as powerful an effect, but it does have a very real effect uh, on us. So um, just as when we see things, we have this automatic reaction that's produced in us by the fact that we see it. So too, when by the fact that we're hearing something, it's going to produce a, an automatic effect um, just by the fact that that we're human beings. And, and these sounds are coming in. Um, so what is that reaction going to be? We can anticipate that what that reaction is going to be based on the nature of the music. Um, music has a, a certain content. It has a certain uh, language. And there are, so, there are types of, of music that, that do not turn our soul upside down, uh, but rather elevate us. They uplift us. Uh, you know, uh, Obviously, with this Gregorian chant, um, when we go to mass and we hear like Kyrie 11, you know, like you know, it, it's it's not something that's it's going to make us want to be lustful, but rather it it, it uh, elevates us. It it just automatically when we hear that uh, we're placed in a mood to to worship God. Uh, it's definitely not overwhelming our emotions. The reason for that is is that the Gregorian chant is just pure melody. Um, it's uh, melody is is something that that speaks to our intellect. It speaks more to our higher faculties, and so there's no chance that that um, our lower faculties are going to be disturbed when when we hear the Gregorian chant. I know this is a a hot topic, especially for young adults uh, and, and parents, families. I, I think the last thing that a sixteen or a nineteen year old would want to hear is the only music you can listen to is Gregorian chant. By holding out Gregorian chant as the example, Father, that's that's not necessarily what you're saying, right? It, there there are other forms of music that are perfectly fine or or uplifting. It's not just chant that that we need to listen to the entire time, right? No, please, please don't. Uh, <laughs> okay, just listen to Gregorian chant in your home. So Gregorian chant is is really specifically tailored for worship. So I mean, in other words, there is a context, a special context for Gregorian chant, um, and that that is the the liturgy. There are other types of music that are that are more designed for entertainment. Um, that they do appeal to the emotions uh, to to some degree, but they do not put the emotions or the the emotional aspect of of the music um, above that that intellective aspect. So the primary aspect of of the music is is the melody that's like the storyline of the music um there's also harmony where where you try to blend different melodic passages you try to blend them together to to make a whole texture of sound and that 
will appeal not just to the intellect, but will often uh, appeal to the heart as well. You know, polyphony is an example, but that's that's on the side of sacred liturgy. But uh, a lot of popular songs, folk songs, will can can be made polyphonic, or you can do like the Star Spangled Banner in, in a polyphonic way, where you have an an upper line or and a lower line, or you have different voices that are all singing together, uh, different melodic lines, and that music is. Is again, it's 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 another option besides Gregorian chant. Or if really, if you have any music wherein the the melody is still supreme, and that as I say, that can be that can be classical music, it can be it can be folk music, um, it can be popular music um, that that has that essential hierarchical ordination of of the music where the higher elements of the music music predominate. And the lower element, which is rhythm, is is not put uppermost. That's that's really the golden rule for what makes for ordered music. Um, that the rhythm, which is the lowest element, is not the primary element of the music, but it's subordinate to the the rhythm and the excuse me, subordinate to the melody and the harmony of the music. That's the golden rule. I don't care what you're listening to, as long as that's in place. Okay, so that that's kind of your standard for parents, for instance, to what to allow, what kind of music to allow in the house uh, for their children to listen to. And and again, I, I say children; it, it applies to all of us. But forming that that musical taste early on is uh, is important. I mean, how, how many people do you hear? Well, you know, my dad listened to such and such, and that's what I love now. Um, so so that would be the advice you would give a parent: make sure that it's the the music or the uh, the artist or the band or whatever is not. It's not overly reliant on on rhythm. That's not the predominant thing. But in, instead, what is there is is the melody and and the beauty of of uh, the music itself. Yes, and I, I mean, ideally, uh, we would we would be able to play a few examples of of this, and, and the parents could get the the idea. And as you indicate, I think it's very important that the parents make an effort to put music in their children's lives, because if there's just a vacuum, if if they just grow up and the parents are just like, oh, I'm not into music, you know, I really don't do music, um, and there's no, there's never any music playing in the house, or they don't um, sort of make their children familiar with any type of music, or make their their children love um, a certain certain pieces of music, then the children will be left to their own, and and chances are they will they will gravitate towards towards rock and roll or just the popular music um, that everybody else is listening to. Um, they're going to have to fill that void because we, we, as human beings, we sort of need music. <laughs> right. um, music is part of, of what we are. What God has God has made us to to have an affinity towards um, song. I, I would love to be able to play some clips, but copyright law and all that. Sorry, Father. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it reminds me of uh, of a, a song by Weird Al where um, he he. <laughs> Tells you not to break international copyright law by pirating <laughs> songs. He has a spoof of of, of a song. Yeah, about oh, that's that. Great. Yeah, don't. It's called "Don't Download the Song." But anyway, um, <laughs> well, what, one of my one of my friends who is heavily involved in music uh, told me something, and I I hadn't heard it before, and and it, I think about it all the time. He said, uh, "Music is the only art form that will exist in heaven," uh, and that's really a beautiful thought. It is indeed. Yeah. It is indeed. So we talked about how rhythm is is kind of that that guiding principle for parents. You know, rock music. What what is it about rock music that is that is damaging uh, to listen to? Uh, I I know that there's uh, shoot. I I did it myself. You know, my parents would tell me about well, you can't listen to rock music, and I went, 
wow, you, you guys must be old. You just don't like anything that's new. Um, but there is a principle there that's, uh, I, I guess, a danger to the soul, right? Yes, and I think this is, this is the problem, is that rock music does break that golden rule, wherein that lower element of the music, which, which is the rhythm, rhythm um, is put uppermost in, in rock music by definition. So rhythm is, is the beat of the music. It's, it's that steady, relentless um, sound that, that comes at a certain chronological rate. Um, and it's in rock music, it's uh, the main thing that you hear. And w- as I say, when, when that beat is, is lower in, in the musical uh, sort of composition, when it's not playing the primary role uh, and when it's serving the, the melody and the harmony, um, it's, it, there's no problem at all. But when it is placed as the primary element, um, when it's isolated, and it, it tends to, to stimulate the emotions very strongly, um, just, just as, as watching a bad movie stimulates emotions very strongly. So, too, listening to uh, a piece of music where, where you have this uh, relentless beat is the primary thing that you hear. Um, it, it automatically creates a certain disorder in the soul um, wherein you're, you're moved to the emotions uh, often of, of anger or, or lust. Um, depending on what rock composition you're listening to, um, there's, there's because of the intensity of the rhythm and the violence of the music, you know, ultimately rock music has its origin in the, the tribal dances where, where mm. these tribes would get together and they would beat their drums at this rate and, and they would be moving according to the beat of the drums and they would just sort of go out of themselves. I mean, the, the music would cause them to, in a sense, lose their minds, temporarily lose their minds um, in this frenzy. So working themselves up in these, in these pagan rituals. And, you know, obviously people, it's not happening with people turning on the radio, listening to rock music. I'm not saying that that's happening, but, but I'm saying that this is the kind of effect that a purely rhythmic music can have on people and, and when you put the rhythm as the primary element of the music, um, it is going to create that disorder in the soul where uh, the, the reason, the rational faculty is going to be attenuated and um, the emotions are going to be very strongly stirred and, and not the right emotions. The emotions of, of anger and loss uh, are, is quite typical is what's going to happen. So it, it's, it's almost like that, that war dance. I mean, it's, it's, it's a war dance for, for a reason. It's, it's supposed to inflame you, get you excited, get you angry. And that's, that's what you're saying. That that's kind of the basis of, of that rock music. Yes. Yes. And you know, that's why they had the music there. They wanted that effect. The the tribes, they, these pagan rituals, they wanted to induce in themselves this state of frenzy and they needed the drums. They needed that rhythm. Um, in, in order to produce that effect in them. Whereas we as Catholics, we're like, we're saying to ourselves, I don't want to lose my, my rational power. I don't want to reduce it sure. and, and subordinate it to, to my emotions. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm not going to listen to this music. I'm going to put myself in an occasion of sin. If I do that, um, my, my, ra- my rational faculties are going to be working properly. I'm, I'm going to have these emotions of lust and anger. And who knows what I'm going to do or, or what I'm going to be wanting to do in that state. Rhythm in and of itself, is that, is that always bad? I'm thinking in particular of, uh, you know, like Spanish guitar music has a very strong rhythm all the time. Uh, would that mm-hmm. fall into the same category in your mind? So, yeah, as, as I say, um, 
perhaps you're, you're thinking of like the like the flamenco right yeah. type dancing or or, or whatever um I think in that music there there is um, a melodic component that that is more primary, um, and it's not just relentless rhythm. Um, okay. Uh, there there is a strong strong rhythm, but it's it's not a such. I, I mean, surely it's it's heading in that direction. <laughs> um, sure. And it's 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 a very uh, passionate music. But at the same time, it's much, much more controlled um, than the rock music, which is sort of in your face. This is, we, we want to, to stir up your passions without keeping them under control. And, and I guess like, like with all things being traditional Catholic, you, you, you want to seek out what is good and what is uplifting and not try to find this, well, here's the limit where I can listen to. And okay, right here. And, you know, and go right up to the limit. I, I think we should try to seek out what is good, uplifting, and 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 powerful for our souls, not for our passions. That's exactly right. I mean, the, this is the spiritual prudence that that we're talking about. We we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we know that our emotions are going to be going wild by definition, and therefore, yeah, we're we're putting ourselves in spiritual danger. So just as um, this can happen through the eyes, um, because they're the windows of our soul, so too the ears, they're, they're in a certain sense also windows of our soul. And if, if the things that are coming into our ears we know are just going to turn our soul upside down, then up front we should say, no, I'm not going to put myself in that situation. It's just highly imprudent. Absolutely. Well, two, two topics this week that were uh, very uh, prudential questions. And, and again, there, there is gray area uh, in this. This isn't black and white, um, you know, whether traveling is, is okay and whether you know, having a job on Sunday or, or this type of music or that type of music. But uh, again, thank you for, for laying out the principles, at least that we have as a, as a kind of a North, North Star that we can follow, Father. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure, Andrew. All right. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to this edition of the SSPX podcast. Next time, we'll be talking about Advent. So if you have questions about the Advent season or something that you've always wanted to know a little bit more in detail about, feel free to submit your questions at sspxpodcast.com. We'll be answering those questions on the next episode. And if you are able to leave a review or a rating on our podcast, it will help us out immensely. Just go to SSPX Podcast in whatever podcast app or program you're listening to, leave a rating and a review, and it will help more people to see the beauty and the truth of traditional Catholicism. Until next time, thank you for listening, and God bless you.